T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Mark Reardon. The heart of America is not government. The center of America is not Washington, D.C. The center of America is the neighborhoods where 330 million Americans are raising their kids and trying to put food on the table and trying to love their neighbors. Mark Reardon. There's nothing worse than a reckless jackass who thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I am the smartest man alive! The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like this weather today at all. None Me neither. None happy about the gloominess and the cold and the clouds and all that. Now, weren't we just wearing shorts like a week ago? Yes. Wasn't a week ago today Election Day, by the way? It feels like winter. It, it is winter. I don't winter. like it, Fred. It, it's really, really um, depressing. Nasty. It's yeah, I don't depressing. Like it. How, what can we do about it? I don't know. <laughs> Wine. Don't I'm good at that. Uh, good afternoon, Sue Thomas. Good afternoon, Mark Reardon. I have. I want to share a story here at the beginning, but let me kind of set the table for a few things. Fred is in here. I wanted him to hear the story and just react to this. And then Brad Young got called in for extra duty. We actually had him scheduled for this particular um, hour to talk about some things related to the student loan issue. And I figured instead of Brad just staring at me for the next 20 minutes while I do the monologue, we just kind of talk about some of those things. Plus, you and I have not visited since we spent all that quality time together yes, a week ago tonight, right? But let, let me start with this just because this is on my mind. Yesterday at this time, I kind of recounted the um, the deer story from mm-hmm. Howard County where I the deer won. Okay, but I was gifted from a couple of friends some hindquarters that I could make into sausage and burger. Mm-hmm. Now, Sue and Fred, you've had the deer sausage over the years, it's right? Good. I go to G&W in the city. Is anyone familiar with yeah. that? Yes. It's right by it's the car right dealership. Highway, but yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And they give you, I don't drink alcohol, but they'll give you a beer if you're getting in there and you're checking your deer. They have a reputation for being real nice. The guy who owns it, I've met him before. I know that he has listened to the show. Um, I can't remember his name. So anyway, when you pull up to G&W. Yes. Whenever you, it's kind of something like my daughter wanted to go with me because what I do, I think I've told you not to get too gross here, is we butcher the deer ourselves. So we're not bringing the entire deer. But for the most part, people do that. So you, you roll up on G&W, you see a truck, and there's carcasses everywhere. And you get wow. to see the bucks and everything. It's not everyone's jam. I get it. Yeah. But I bring it up because 
I pulled up with my cooler today. That is not my jam. <laughs> I figured, but just listen. Uh-huh. There's there's a broader point to be made here that I think you can relate all right, to. I'm all right, ready. I'll get, I'll get past the, the guts and the blood and all that in a second. So I pull up. That truck is not there. There's no carcasses whatsoever. And I'm like, wait a second here. So I, I didn't even bring the cooler out of the car. And then I went up to the, the front door of G&W, and there's a sign that says, we will no longer accept... <sighs> meat that is not that has any bones in it so full deer processing not possible wow and in with my hindquarters we didn't debone it completely i can do that i suppose i could do it tonight i'm going to the eagles i'd have to do it in the morning but i asked the guy you know hey what's going on and and then i i kind of knew the answer but i'll ask the question here i said well can i just ask why anybody want to take a stab it's a pretty obvious one. They but can't find anybody at work? They can't mm-hmm. find workers. Yes. Oh, man. They oh. can't find work. And, and this is a place that is just, I mean, I don't know how many deer I would, 100 deer probably when I would come up. Wow. I always got my meat very quickly because they can turn it around in two weeks or so when you're not having to do the entire processing. So I was always at an advantage bringing it in on Monday or Tuesday. But that's just sad. And not to Very mention sad. that I love, like, I've tried other oh. places. And so they were the best? No, they're not. They're definitely not as good as G&W. So my ask is for well, a listener. G&W yeah. was the best. Mm. Uh, if there's anyone out there that has a recommendation on a place that would do some processing of hindquarters, I I don't know where to take it. And I don't want to name the place that I took it last year, but I took, I, I tried a different place that I really like for regular meat last year, and I, I didn't like what they did with the deer. So, and I don't even know if they could fit it in this year. So I have. What did they do? It was wrong. Just curious. I mean, well, was just, it, it cut wasn't a way that you no, no, didn't no, no, like? No. It yeah. was just I had sausage made, deer sausage. Uh-huh. It just wasn't it wasn't, wasn't as good. flavorful. G and W's is outstanding. I mean, there's, it's, I've had a few places. I used to do this in Milwaukee, too. Yeah. But I love the, what G&W has done, so now I'm at a loss for Oh, I'm so sorry. This, this hurts Fred, too. It does. It, it hurts Kevin Colleen. It hurts everyone else that I get <laughs> deer sausage, too. Well, I do hate that for them. Colleen hovers this time of year, and he uh, <laughs> he does this feature on KMOX. He's done it for years called Whole Nother Story. Have you ever heard that, Sue? I have. It's a great feature. So he interviewed me here about the deer hunting today, and I had to do an addendum about the G&W thing. So... Thank you to anyone out there who would like to give me some recommendations. There used to be a place in Illinois that I went, but it was kind of far, and they were really rude. They didn't really seem to be interested in helping me out, so I stopped going to that place up in Columbia, Illinois. Did you speak to anybody there, or did it the sign? No, no, just I, say I that. talked to the guy. He said he was oh, he was that's very. A bummer. He wasn't really apologetic um, outside of the fact that he said, well, it's on the way. I think he's facing a lot of people saying, what the hell, dude? We yeah. always come here. And he's like, look, it's on no. the website. There's a sign on the door. And I said, no, no, I get it. What's done is done. I mean, I'm in these situations now where I'm finally at the age of 57, smart enough to know I'm not going to really change their mind about their policy right. when I get in there and argue with them, right? Yes. But I, I did say as I was leaving, I said, well, can I just ask you why? And it was the answer that I expected. You know, oh, we that didn't stinks. Find well, well, Mark, I had a, I had a, a uh, looks like about a six-point buck in my backyard Sunday morning. And I was very tempted, very tempted to go get the deer slugs. But I didn't think I could get away with that in Chesterfield. So no, I, I, I opted. I opted against it. Couldn't you have tackled the deer though? 
he would probably on, he, come on. He would he would take me very no, easily. This is what I do the did you do what Mark did? Just watch it go by. <laughs> because hey, Hi. when I'm in the woods, it, typically I miss my first shot. Well, then I miss my second and third too. But I've just gotten to, these deer are usually so close to me that I really could legit tackle them and wrestle them to the ground. I'd probably lose that battle too. You would. Uh, but let, let's talk some politics here because this could be a big day. We have, in in a certain way, whatever your expectations might be. Last night, this is the way I was thinking about this, Brad. Last night, we decide, and I really, I thought Carrie Lake might still pull out this Arizona race for governor. And she was a Trump candidate, very fiery. I loved what I saw of Carrie Lake. I loved the way that she handled the media. But it looks like she's going to lose that race. So it does. here you have Carrie Lake losing Laxalt loses. Blake Masters loses. There, there is no pickup in the Senate for the Republicans. Georgia really doesn't even matter anymore. And here comes the orange man tonight with an announcement at 8 o'clock. So I don't know what the expectations are. I guess he's going to say that I'm getting in this race. I don't see why now he, he wouldn't. Um, you know, there's this cage match that has been brewing with DeSantis and Trump. And we talked about this a little bit election night. We as did. The, as the picture kind of became clearer in what was happening with the, the results. But how do you expect that this will play itself out? What do you think Trump's going to do tonight, by the way? What well, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion he's going to announce that he's running. He's been kind of announcing that for the past two years. And there's no reason for an announcement if he's not going to run. I so, agree. So he's, he's going to announce that he's going to run. When you talk about how this is going to fall out, uh, we saw and we talked about this on election night, Mark, that the uh, in fact, we talked about it before the major news media started picking up the story that the candidates who were backed by Trump did poorly. The candidates who separated themselves from Trump did very well. And we saw that as a theme across the entire evening. So I think what you're going to see moving forward is that more and more politicians have cover to say, I'm not aligned with Trump. Uh, and you're going to see that more and more uh, as the election for the next two years starts to develop. Well, you know, the day after the election, or maybe it was Thursday, Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor from Virginia, came yes, out very definitively. I saw that. I've seen more pundits kind of cross over. But once he gets in, too, it's interesting because I have some audio from Kellyanne Conway, and I think that she's even been, you know, straddling just a little bit. But, of course, when when he makes an announcement, some people are going to fall into line. But DeSantis, did you hear what DeSantis finally said today? Let me play that no. audio. So he finally broke his silence because Trump's been going at him and calling him Ron DeSanctimonious, doing the same old nonsense. And here's DeSantis today. You know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job is um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done. Yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm. Just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning and it's constantly attacking. True. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media than me over my four year term. And yet I think what you what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Uh, the fact of the matter is we um, it, it was the, the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history 
of the state of Florida. So a couple of things that are takeaways for me there, I, and I think that the advice is going to be and the advice is being taken here by Ron DeSantis, don't even engage. What's no. the point of engaging with Trump? Because it's not going to be something you're going to win. Trump's always going to win that, and he's going to do the name-calling. But I think if you do focus on the things that DeSantis just covered, I, I think that's going to be a good thing. Look, there's even new polling out today which shows, and I don't know how the former president is going to react to this, because the um, the polling that's coming out in the aftermath of the election shows that DeSantis leads Trump in, you know, Republican votes for the next nominee. Now, that could change, obviously, very easily. But in Iowa, DeSantis is getting 48 percent support to Trump, 37 percent. In New Hampshire, this is interesting to me, DeSantis, 52 percent, Trump, 37 percent. In Florida, DeSantis, 56 percent, Trump, 30 percent. In Georgia, DeSantis, 55 percent, Trump, 35. These are very consistent numbers, right? Very consistent. How does the guy who's about to say, I'm going to be in this game again, who lost by, you know, millions of votes in the popular vote, say, this is something that I think I can do? I, I, I don't know. I think this could be a regretful moment for President Trump tonight. It it will be, in in fact, a regretful moment, because as this primary season develops, you're going to see DeSantis, I think, gaining momentum because a lot of the country knows him by name but doesn't really know him. Who on this planet doesn't know Trump? Okay, so from this perspective, there's not going to be any people that are suddenly going to wake up and say, oh, my goodness, you know, I used to not like Trump. Now I do. No, I agree with that. No one's going to say that. But DeSantis is going to increase in popularity. In theory, I say a little word of caution there just because I've been around the block a few times and I make so many bad political predictions is he's 44 years old and, you know, untested nationally. So there are still things and questions to be answered about Ron DeSantis. Uh, Did you are you going to read the Pence book by any chance? I hadn't planned on it. I'm I'm not going to read it, but I've seen some of the highlights. But he still thinks that he might be a candidate in 2024. What in the world is that about? Is he just saying that because he's trying to sell books right now? Uh, I I think so. Uh, Or maybe he sees himself as being, since he was literally uh, on the same ticket as Donald Trump, I I think he might see himself as a person who can come out and say, um, if if you don't like the chaos of Trump, choose me. We were on the same ticket, but I don't have the chaos. But he also doesn't have any personality. Here's what he said to David Muir at ABC. Do you believe that Donald Trump should ever be president again? David, I think that's up to the American people. But I think we'll have better choices in the future. Will you run for president in 2024? Well, we're giving a consideration in our house, prayerful consideration. By the way, juxtapose that with this question. Michelle Obama's asked about Biden. Do you hope that President Biden will run again in 2024? You know, I, 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 <laughs> I will have to see. It's, you know, the, the reason I don't speak on that is because I know what it feels like to be on the other side of it. And I think that that's a personal decision that he and his family have to make. Uh, not a bad recovery from the former first lady. I will say that. All right, Brad, one of the reasons that we wanted to get you on here, not only to talk midterms and the aftermath of that, but the uh, the student loan decision. And there was a court here in St. Louis that ruled on that. So explain the ruling and what might happen next. Well, the, the ruling for the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, that's the Court of Appeals, the only thing above the Court of Appeals in this country is the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the underlying case was a situation where Eric Schmidt filed a lawsuit on behalf of the state of Missouri, alleging that Missouri was harmed by the student loan forgiveness. And it's not forgiveness, as we all know. It's a transfer of debt from individuals to the U.S. debt. 
But in this instance, the state of Missouri was harmed because of something called MOHILA, the Missouri Higher Education Loan Authority. They manage loans. So they, they're going to lose money because student loans are forgiven. The state of Missouri is going to lose money. Therefore, they're harmed. Standing is a legal doctrine that is the issue in this case. You can't file a lawsuit unless you've been harmed by the defendants. So right. if you can't just file a lawsuit and say, and say, I don't like it, you have to be harmed. And that was the problem. Who's been harmed by this other than taxpayers in general, and they lack standing? So Eric Schmidt filed the lawsuit, lost at trial in front of Judge Autry here in St. Louis, went up on appeal. This is what's fascinating about this, Mark, because the appellate court not only said, we think that Missouri has standing, but the court also said that there is a a likelihood that the plaintiffs will prevail at the end of the case. And so by saying that, they instituted, the Court of Appeals did, instituted a nationwide injunction against the Biden administration from moving forward in any way with the so-called student loan forgiveness. So is the next step the Supreme Court then? Well, the next step is going to have to be going back to a trial level to actually have a trial on it. But once that happens, this is going to make a beeline to the Supreme Court. So why, that's where I'm confused. Why does it go back? If he if he lost in a trial, then it gets appealed to the federal court. You, you have to go back to another trial? The only thing on the dismissal, that's what was appealed, was the dismissal of the case. Okay. So there has not been a trial yet. So, in other words, the, the local judge dismissed it, didn't Correct. He? Okay, that's where I was confused. The, the local judge, Judge Henry Autry, dismissed Eric Schmidt's lawsuit on the basis that Missouri did not have standing. So when that dismissal was appealed, the dismissal was overturned. I got you. Now it makes more sense. Now it's got to go to a trial. So how does that process work with a trial? It's got to go back down to the trial court, have a trial, and then it starts going up on appeal. But if the issue of standing gets appealed, then that narrow issue could go to the Supreme Court. They wouldn't decide the merits. They would simply decide whether Missouri has been harmed sufficiently to allow Missouri to be a plaintiff. Okay, I think I, I think I got all that. Yeah, now, standing is interesting. My my guess would be that the timetable on all this, it, it could take a while, right? Or not? Oh, yeah, it could take a while because there still has to be an underlying trial of this case, and that's going to take a while. Uh, and then when that happens, that's when you're actually going to address the merits. That's why this is so important, Mark, because unless you resolve that standing issue, you never get to the merits of the litigation. And, and now it seems like the standing issue has been resolved. Is it likely that this attorney general won't even be involved in this case because he'll be in the U.S. Senate? Not only likely, I think it's guaranteed. Yeah, at this point, right? Because he's going to be a U.S. senator in January. So when that happens, uh, whoever becomes the next attorney general is going to have to pick up this and run with it like a football. But yeah. we don't know who that's going to be. No, we don't know. There's a bunch of names out there. Governor Parson is going to have to make that decision. Brad Young, who was filling in for Annie. We already had him scheduled. He's with Harris, Dow, Fisher, and Young. You hear him on 97.1 FM Talk. We were spending quality time election night. Great to have you. Are you here tomorrow, too, or do you not know? Nope. No, okay. uh, just today. Annie will be back tomorrow. Thank you, Brad. My pleasure. Thank you for hanging out. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, I went to uh, see The Who, remember that, at Enterprise Center a few weeks ago, and they had that full orchestra, and we featured, I can't remember his name, but the uh, the local gentleman who organizes all that with musicians, and they were not symphony musicians that night because the symphony was performing. I bring it up Just because so cool. the Eagles are performing at Enterprise Center tonight, uh, and they're doing the same thing. So they're playing. I had kind of forgotten about this. My friend Tim um, McGowan invited me last minute to go to the show, and I said, yes, I'm a huge Eagles fan. I've seen them three times before, and they have uh, Hotel California. They're playing Hotel California in its entirety, like to start the show. It's really with, cool. Yeah, with the full orchestra. But here's here's the funny thing about that. Well, I'm kind of intrigued by the, that. This would probably, I, I would rate the Eagles in one of my you know top bands uh, of all time. I would That's say fair. In, in the top ten. I love the Eagles. And this is how old I'm getting now. I don't usually, I don't like to check the set list because I like surprises, but I kind of wanted to know how long the show was. And since I knew they were playing Hotel California in its entirety, I'm like, this is not going to be a short show. They play like three hours. Now, I think they'll go on right at 8. Doors open at 6.30, but they'll they'll play for three hours. Is Glenn Fry's, his son, is he him? Uh, in other words, I, or am I making that up? No, Glenn Fry's son was doing some work. I'm not sure if he is right now, but Vince Gill is doing the Glenn Fry part. Okay, now I would have gone just for Vince Gill. Yeah, I don't let me check oh, this. Oh, I love because... Vince Gill. Side note, I heard the, today that Toto is coming to town on March 26th and to the Stiefel Theater. I think I might like to see Damn, that. One. I saw, look, I saw Toto. Well, I saw Toto at River City not too long ago, like maybe seven or eight years ago, but mm-hmm. I saw them at the Old Glory Amphitheater ba- at Holy Six Flags. Cow, I was going to say, baby. What I remember about that, honestly, this is this could be my mind playing tricks on me, but Rosanna Arquette was there at that show in really? this white flowing gown because she dated, was it Steve Lukather or Jeff Picaro? Oh, one, that, one of the two. That would have been when they were together, in yes, other words? Yes, wow. and she had, I was told at the time because... I knew that that the song was written because her name was Rosanna, but she also, I think, had family here in St. Louis. At least I was told that. I didn't so, know listen, that. Let I could be see. making all of this up. Yeah, I know, but, but it's I a do cute remember story. seeing Toto at the Old Glory Amphitheater. By the way, here is um, Glenn Fry's son Deacon departs Eagles after filling in for late father. Oh. He now feels it's time for him to forge his own path. We understand completely. We support him in whatever he wishes to pursue in the years ahead. Deacon, that's a bad decision, dude. You should have stayed with the Eagles. You would have been fine. You're touring all over. You kind of have to wonder what what the hell happened there, right? Yeah. But Vince Gill is going to be in lineup. I heard Deacon was great when he was doing stuff with um, with the band. The last time he was here, I think it was Deacon, Fry, and, uh, and Vince Gill. So... Vince Gill, you lucky. Oh, I love him. Dang anyway, it. a little rock and roll show. We'll have some Eagles music uh, a little later. Let's talk about Republican leadership. So Kevin McCarthy has been uh, elected to leadership once again. You know, that doesn't mean he's going to be Speaker of the House because um, the vote's not going to be until after the first of the year. But what we know now is that the majority leader in the Senate is likely to be Chuck Schumer again. And in the House, is it going to be Kevin McCarthy? Well, today they had the uh, the leadership vote. And McCarthy actually wins on a 188 to 31 vote. Andy Biggs was the challenger from Arizona. But 
the real test is in January. And the key there is McCarthy has to win a majority of the full house. He's got to get 218 votes. So what does that mean? Now, we're going to talk about it a little bit later this afternoon with our friend Doug High, who used to be the RNC uh, spokesman. He also has worked with members of Congress many years. The way that this often happens is if you're a member of Congress and you don't want to vote for Kevin McCarthy, if Kevin McCarthy gives you something, here's the great irony of it. The people who don't want to vote for Kevin McCarthy are like, we don't like the establishment. We don't like all the, you know, the lobbyists and all these things. And then, mark my word, this is what will probably happen is Kevin McCarthy and, you know, the other leadership Republicans will offer them something in exchange for their vote because that's how politics and that's how the world works. But my question would be this, and let me make a couple of things clear. I'm not... I don't have anything against Kevin McCarthy. Um, do I think that there could be better leadership in the House of Representatives? Yeah, I think I probably do. But I don't know who that person is. And let's kind of move it to the Senate because Senator Hawley is weighing in on a lot of this stuff right now. And he's saying that he's not going to support Mitch McConnell. I want to address that here in a second. But Senator Hawley has been kind of on a rant here about the Republicans screwing all this up last week. He's not putting any blame on President Trump. He thinks it was Mitch McConnell and the Republican leadership that led to the disaster in the midterms. We need good, strong, independent leadership that actually listens to voters and doesn't just listen to the Washington lobbyists. And I'll just tell you, when it comes to the GOP, the Washington Republicanism that cares more about Wall Street than it does about working people, it's time for that to come to an end. The the Washington Republicanism that's all about adventures abroad, the neoconservatism of these global wars, not focused on working people in this country, it needs to come to an end. So let me me address that right there, because I do think that there are opportunities here, and this is frustrating. I think it's frustrating to the American people where you have... I'm doing a little work behind the scenes right now trying to find out some stuff about Afghan refugees. So I think I was talking to you about this off the air. My sister is a volunteer in a um, in a home in suburban Chicago for um, people seeking political asylum. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Afghanis, um, Ukrainians, um, people from Somalia. You All over it, the right? world. Yeah. But it's interesting because when you do, especially for the people in um, Afghanistan, there was a bill passed by the Congress, Republicans and Democrats, granted them a a fair amount of money when they get the asylum officially, they get a cell phone, they get all these things. And I bring it up from this perspective. There are a lot of people that we are helping around the planet, right? And how much money are we spending on climate change in and of itself? So I know that the geopolitical world is big and bold, and I don't understand all of it. I'm not an expert in that. But I do think that one of the things that President Trump tapped into and was successful on, and this is what Senator Hawley's trying to talk about. And let's not be confused here about something. Senator Hawley has his own political ambitions. So let's be clear about some of the motivations here. But I do think he's right. I mean, we're in a situation in this country right now where people are hurting. We have all kinds of needs for resources. How about police resources? I think he talks about that here in just a second. We know we have education resources needs. We need mental health capabilities, all of these things. We have the billions, we have the trillions. You know how I know that? Because we've been spending it like crazy in the past few years. And we send a lot of this money overseas, a hundred million here, a hundred billion there. And what a lot of the people in Congress would tell you, well, you know, that's in the whole grand scheme of things. That's not a lot of money. Well, it is when you start pulling it back and you add it into a kitty for people in this country. I think maybe we can do that. I've been doing this for a long time. I've, I've been talking about issues like that for a long time. It never really seems to happen. Now, I know that the people pushing back 
that are against the establishment say that they they want things to change, but you also kind of need a process and you need a plan for change. But let me play a little bit more of what he said. I think what voters are asking us to do is pretty clear. Secure our streets. You know, let's put new cops on the street, 100,000 of them. Secure the borders. Stop the indoctrination of our children and bring jobs back to this country. It used to be you could support a family on one good wage. You can't do that anymore in this country because of the ruinous trade policies that unfortunately both parties have supported. That has got to come to an end. Republicans have got to be the party of working people and working class culture. That's what we're fighting for. So one of the criticisms that Senator Hawley had in a tweet when he um, blasted out last week, and I think he talked about it on the weekend shows as well, is that he thought, going back to my point about what, what happened in the election, is that Mitch McConnell, the Republicans, didn't do enough. They didn't talk about the issues. He just ticked off all the issues that they did talk about, crime in the border. So I'm, I'm confused by Senator Hawley's messaging, but he says he's not going to support McConnell. You've got independents who don't like Joe Biden, and they voted for President Obama back in the day. They voted for President Trump, but they looked at the options this year, and they're like, nah, I don't like Biden at all. I don't like the Democrats, but I don't trust the Republicans. Why? Because the Republicans yeah. weren't offering anything. They weren't saying we're going to yeah. secure the border. They weren't saying we're going to put cops on the street. Yeah, they were. We've got to go out there and make that case. We need new leadership in the Republican Party in Washington. This is why I will not support Mitch McConnell for leader. We need new leadership, but we also need real convictions. That's what we've got to be about going forward. All right, so I don't I disagree with the broader point there, and I'm fine with new leadership outside of Mitch McConnell, but who is that person going to be? Is it going to be Josh Hawley? And where are the votes for Josh Hawley going to come from? Now, ladies and gentlemen, astute listeners of the program might say, hey, you're the host of a conservative talk show in St. Louis. Isn't Senator Hawley a Missouri senator? And I would say, yes, in fact, you're right. So talk show host, why don't you ask him those questions? And then I'd have to tell you that they don't come on this show anymore because I, I asked them a hard question about January 6th and they blackballed me. So I can't do anything there. Sorry. Well, there you go. See, he'll go on the morning show. He won't come on the afternoon show, which it pisses me off only from this perspective. And I'm not certainly going to argue that I put Senator Hawley on the map in any way, shape or form. But I did give him a lot of help here in St. Louis over the years when he was simply a law professor at the University of Missouri. And he was on my show as the official constitutional law expert. Some of you might remember that for years and years. And maybe people don't know the fact that he came on here, I think, um, on my show on KMOX on January 6th or 7th. No, January 7th or 8th, whatever it was after January 6th. And then I, I, I asked a legitimate hard question and his staff didn't like it and they won't come on anymore. I, I, I legit don't even know if it's Senator Hawley making that decision. Oh, I'd, almost, I'd almost have to guess that it's not. It's just his staff that is a bunch of babies. I don't know. I think that's it. That's interesting. It's just ridiculous. I mean, but whatever. I, I can't do anything about it or control it at this point. Uh, I want to talk about this FTX exchange, the crypto thing. And I want to start by saying I still have no idea what <laughs> cryptocurrency is and why people use it or what they use it for, especially when something like this happens, because then it kind of leads you to believe what in the world is it. So we always depend on Ian Share from CNET to sort of break these things apart and explain them to us. He's a CNET editor at large. We're going to talk about some of the tech layoffs as well. Hi, Ian. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing okay. I will never forget you, nor will I ever shy from a hard question. <laughs> and I appreciate that uh, a lot. So I don't. I never drag you into politics, so you don't have to do that. But the Sam Bankman is it fried or freed? I don't know. I assume okay. it's freed. That's what everyone else seems to say, and 
that's how it generally goes when you spell his name that way. The reason that this is a, a political story as well is because he's a guy that spent a lot of money to support Biden. He gave $39.2 million more to influence the 22 midterms. But he has this crypto empire. And what happened here? How can you explain this? Oh, I mean, essentially, if you've ever seen uh, one of those really cool posters of a train that's crashed off of the rails, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that is what has happened here. I mean, it has fallen apart. So it seems as though that he was running what appears to be, right, we don't know all the details, but appears to have been a Madoff-like Ponzi. Yeah, wow. And, And essentially that... He was he, he claimed to be one of the smartest people in the world. And, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, to this day, equate money with smart. And so he had a lot of money. He had a trading firm that he was that he was running on top of this FTX, which was the second largest uh, crypto trading firm in the world. And uh, apparently they didn't actually really make that much money. And eventually things fell apart. And. We're seeing this happen everywhere, right? We're starting because the the crypto technology world, the crypto values have fallen, right? A lot of these tokens, uh, which are essentially imagine them to be like Pokemon cards, okay? They've all the value of them have all fallen. Or if you don't like Pokemon cards, we can also use Beanie Babies. And uh, as people are pulling out their money, these people, you know, these exchanges which were built on the supposed value of everything have collapsed. Man, so. One story that I saw said that the Ontario, this is in Canada, Ontario Teachers Pension Fund invested $75 million in FTX. The Sequoia oh. Capital Fund, $213 million holding, is now worth <clears throat> zero. Oof. Right. Zero. Zero. Not, not even a little. I, I, it's, it's stunning. It really is. I mean, even, even Madoff's people, in theory, his victims got some money back. Not very much. I, look, it, it's shocking, but I think it's a good reminder you know, I've been I've been sitting here watching a lot of the reaction, and in Silicon Valley in particular, I have been hearing from so many women founders and people who are uh, who are uh, minorities who are founders who say they could never have gotten the amount of money that this guy did without any of the qualifications that this guy didn't have. Okay, so right? that, that, in twenty twenty two so how does that happen in the aftermath of Bernie Madoff, in the aftermath of what happened in two thousand eight, how does this happen? Well part of it is that the crypto world had not had a Madoff type moment yet, okay? Uh, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, this is a whole new industry. We can't repeat all the mistakes of the past because people don't read history, apparently. And also, on top of that, they we, if you look at this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, he is the archetype of a very typical successful Silicon Valley CEO, right? He's a young 20-something guy who dropped out of college, or he was he went to MIT, and all of this type of stuff. And so he's got this kind of you know, the Mark Zuckerberg feel. And a lot of people look at that and they say, oh, he's going to make me a ton of money. Of course he will. And, and unfortunately, it's not playing out that way. And we're seeing it, you know, it's not just him, right? It's, it's happening in a bunch of different areas. But this is one of the most dramatic examples we've seen yet. So what was the guy, um, the New York guy, they just made the Netflix series about him that did this too, that Adam guy. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I know about? who you're talking about. I'm, just, yeah. I'm blanking too. But it's sort, <laughs> of same, sort of the same thing where, yeah. you know, everyone wasn't really sure how legit 
He was. Uh, well, that's fascinating. And now, obviously, some of the pressure is on these political candidates who gave money. Many of them are saying, I think even Dick Durbin's saying, look, I'm going to give the money back to a charity or whatever, the $5,800 or the $2,900. Right. So, and, and I mean, look, the thing is that, you know, however, like there are people across the whenever we deal with something like this. Right. And you I mean, you've been covering this type of news forever. Right. Like whenever there is a fraud, they always somehow are connected to politics. Right. And so inevitably there is some uh, some instance where the campaign has to respond and say, oh, well, we'll give our money back or whatever. Right. I mean, it's the only right thing to do. It was. Um, let's see here. I was kind of coming up because like, you guys inventing Anna. That oh, was it. Inventing okay. Anna. Anna Delvey is the one that I was thinking about. Oh yeah, Annie Delvey. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Anna ahead. Delvey was, was also fascinating in and of herself, right? Because she she was able to to swindle super rich people, yes. which was a shock in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. good at it too. Ian, it's Sue. So let me ask you this: This whole crypto is this going to be the downfall of crypto in general? <laughs> Or I, it, I honestly you know? don't know. I want to be able to give you an answer, right? But part of the challenge here is that, the, is that first off, there's, there's still actually, believe it or not, a lot of money tied up in crypto. So to believe it's all going to fall apart, first off, would be telling a bunch of people that billions more dollars are about to be wiped from the face of the planet. Right. I don't know if that's true. I just don't know. But secondarily, uh, you know, there are still people who are – you know, historically have made good bets in the past, right? I'm not saying they will now, but venture capitalists who say they believe that fundamentally, once all of this stuff shakes out and all the fraudsters are chased out of town, that this will be a way that stuff will work in the future. And as long as there are people who believe in it, the stuff is going to continue because that, that's just how it works, right? People are willing to fund these companies. Right. Wow. Ian Scher from CNET is here. Let me let me get to these layoffs because this is pretty significant. And I don't have a lot of time left, just a couple of minutes. But Google's laying off people. Amazon is laying off maybe up to 10,000 people. That, right. that seems like not just minor layoffs here. Facebook, 11,000 people. No, it's it's really big. And part of this is that these companies say they grew too much during the pandemic. You may remember that during the pandemic, the tech was tech world was on all-time highs. Right? Everyone was posting record profits, partially because we were all stuck at home and Google searching all the time or watching Netflix or whatever. And so they said, oh, this will obviously just continue. And they hired like mad. So in a lot of ways, they're actually returning to what their pre-pandemic employee numbers are. But on top of that, of course, there have been some massive cuts in stuff like uh, recruiting, right, especially looking at stuff like sales and advertising. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough time in the tech industry right now. It wow. says, the New York Times story on this says, last week Amazon executives met with institutional investors, according to three people, just as its stock sank to its lowest level since the early days of the pandemic, erasing $1 trillion in value since Andy Jassy took over as uh, chief executive last year. Mr. Jassy, who previously ran Amazon's lucrative cloud computing business, has been closely scrutinizing businesses to trim costs, initially pulled back on a warehouse expansion that was supercharged during the pandemic and then move to other parts of the company. So they even Amazon, the great Amazon, has big challenges right now. Well, and, and, you, ke- and you kept repeating the same line over and over, right, since the pandemic, yes. right, going back to before the pandemic. I mean, this is the thing is that uh, I think a lot of people thought the world had completely changed as a result of that virus. And it's turning out 
that it hasn't changed as much as we thought. We were just going through this whole transition phase. Oh, my Ian gosh, you're so right. Appreciate the updates. By the way, virus. What virus? Nobody talks about that anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> Have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you for weighing in as usual. Absolutely. You take care. Ian Scherer, CNET editor-at-large. Sue's News after the top of the hour. Killmead as well. He's coming to St. Louis in a few weeks. We have details. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 